Hello and welcome back to We Dive Deeper. Today, my guest is Kina Granis. Queena Granis, I like to call her. I've been obsessed with this woman since I was 18. That's 10 years ago. 10 years. And um, she was brave enough to just kind of go away with me to New York and write songs like six years ago now. I still don't know why she did that. But we became really good friends and we've been popping over to see each other every now and again. And I just, I feel really lucky to know her. She's such a wonderful person and she has so much to give and so much important stuff to say. And I really, really can't wait for you to hear this because it was such a wonderful chat. Make sure you go and check her out at Kina Granis. All the info will be in descriptions slash show notes, whatever you're listening to this on and yes go and check her out because my god what a talented person and I know I say that about every single person that comes on here but to be honest I know a lot of talented people and that's the long and the short of it if you like what I do here and you like the podcast then you're more than welcome to go to my patreon page and you can pledge and you will also get the episodes early and that may be fun for some of you um if not just follow me on social media at kate mcgill or the podcast at we dive deeper okay enough shameless plugging for me onward with the amazing chat with kina i really hope you enjoy kina granis hi kate the love of my life okay it's already too <laughs> um my 18 year old self is going crazy right now because when i was in university i just moved out and I found you on YouTube and went crazy. And I mean crazy. I think I watched every single video and I covered every single song of yours. <laughs> you must have thought I was insane. And no. yet somehow... No, it was so wonderful. I remember seeing some of those covers and then being like, this this girl's like amazing. And I was so honored that someone that was that good was wanting to sing my songs. That is so crazy. So and I then- feel like it was kind of like a mutual stealth courting for a while <laughs> like <laughs> and then we somehow managed to go away together on a romantic retreat to new york yeah which which was, blows my mind which was the best. and now now we've kind of founded a musical retreat thing and it's going so well it's going might be so just well. yeah um so do you know how this works yes i get to pick questions or you numbers you, numbers you ask me questions i do that all the time okay go okay ahead. Okay, I'm going to go number four. Nice and early. Okay, what has been your biggest challenge in your life so far and how did you overcome it? Okay, I will definitely have to go with um, my time when my band and I were trapped in Jakarta. (laughs) I love that. That's just something that just happened. Just a little thing that happened. Wait, okay, so walk us through it you 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 because we had just been to portland together on one of these writing retreats yeah and you were preparing to go and everything was set and you have your first show in jakarta yeah i sound so much more british when i say jakarta (laughs) Jakarta. (laughs) and then you played the show and then what people just turn up at the end yeah so also, I, it's so weird. Every time I talk about this, I'm like noting my body. Just, I was just like in. filling with anxiety. Oh, I'm not surprised. Um, so, yeah, we played the show and it's like a lovely show. And then um, I was kind of just hanging out in the green room and my tour manager came back. He's like, oh, we need everyone's passport. And we're like, oh, why? And then he's like, I don't know. There's some immigration people here. 
give him our passports. And then he comes back and he's like, well, we can't get them back. They're, they're taking them and we don't know why. Um, and they sent us home. They sent us back to the hotel. Right. And so it was weird, but I was still like... You were like, nothing could happen. Yeah, so. I'm sure everything's fine. Um, and then... Then the next day comes around and it, it just gets like weirder and weirder. And a few days later, we're brought into the immigration office. We still don't know what is happening. And at this point, we were pretty freaked out. We're like, I don't know what's wrong. Are we going straight to jail? Yeah. Like, um, We go in and they brought us in to kind of like interrogate us one by one. Oh my gosh. And so I go into this office and uh, they basically open up like a law book. And throughout the course of this conversation, they're like, um, this is the law you broke, and the punishment is five years in jail and, like, a $35,000 fine or something per person. And it was really weird, but still I was like, this cannot be This happening. isn't real. I'm like, so it turns out somehow the visas had not been properly dealt with, unbeknownst to us. Um and it was the promoters, right? The yeah. The, doing that? Yeah. And it, it, we thought it was squared away. It, it was not entirely squared away. So we, at that point, I was like, I'm sure this will blow over. Like, they, the, the contract said that it was their responsibility, and we didn't know, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. And then it wasn't fine. Um, like... We eventually had to cancel the rest of the tour. What did you put online at that time? Okay, so... you had to be, like... They yeah. didn't let you talk to anyone. Yeah, so we had, like, four lawyers from, like, four different countries trying to help us and consult on this, and everyone was like, do not talk about this online. Which is so hard, obviously, because... Right, you, that's, like, what I do, do. And, and it feels like it would help, but they were basically like, if you make this into a thing, there's a much higher likelihood that you can just go straight to jail. So we just kind of went silent for a while. Um, And so we started getting lawyers, and we're like, so, like, what's really the situation? Can this be worked out? And the more people looked into it, the more they were like, no, like, you could just, yeah, you could definitely go to jail. What the fuck? (laughs) It was... So weird. And so we entered into this weird time where it was like every single day was like ridden with uncertainty and fear. And and so you go on a weird trajectory. Like at first, we all either went to like sadness or anger. I went to sadness. So I was just like <laughs> crying yeah. all the time. And then... So if we're talking about, also part of this question, I think, was how did I overcome it? Overcome it? And it's such like a bigger life metaphor, but when you are resisting things, it is a million times harder. And so in the beginning, it was like all resistance, like this cannot be happening. We have to figure this out. We have to go home. Um, and it was feeling all that fear. But then at one point... When I realized that I might actually be here for, like, months before a trial and then I could just, like, live in jail for five years, I was like, I need to start changing the way I am living right now. Yeah. And so I started doing 
a gratitude journal every day. Wow. And meditating every day. And ex- I was just like, I need to take care of my brain. So it's yeah. like exercise, meditate, gratitude, like it was my medicine. Yeah. And a few weeks into this, it was weird. I could still see all of my sadness and all of my fear. And simultaneously, I was like, okay, and incredibly grateful. Wow. How the hell do you get that? strange. It's like, it just, and I feel like you've gone through this too, having had like a really awful thing happen. All of a sudden, you, all the dumb stuff falls away and you see what's important. Yeah. And so like little work stress or like caring what people think about you or like wishing that you like being hard on yourself, all of that falls away. And it was like, oh, the only thing that matters is that I'm still breathing and that there are some people that I love and like I have them, even if they're not here. And even if I don't see them for years, like it's people and it's being alive. Yeah. And that made it so much simpler to just be like, okay, whatever happens at the core, I'm okay. Yeah. Still. And that is, that is such strength to go from like, I've been trapped in a place that is so unjust as well. Like it's so not your fault and (laughs) potentially facing jail time. And to go from like that to, I'm going to keep a gratitude journal and like every day focus on what's good shows so much strength. I'm still not even sure how you manage that because it kind of, it became clear. It was like not life or death. I wouldn't have died, but I would have like, wallowed in a heap of sadness forever and I, and it just wouldn't have wouldn't been productive it. yeah thank god you had jesse and your oh my gosh. yeah how did they deal with that time it was a really beautiful thing to witness because you know jesse and i we had our own you know version of taking care of each other but it was five of us and everyone fell into this like perfect balance like it would switch off who's having the worst day, you know, and who like really needs space or care or whatever. And it was just like this amazing family. We were all just caring for each other. It was like, we were stranded out in the middle of nowhere with nothing and no one, but we had each other. And it was so comforting in the midst of all this fear. And that's like now a bond that will never never be broken. It's like a, entirely different version of family that's so special and so speaking of family how the hell were they because you could be honest with them I guess and yeah what was going on but were they freaking out yeah we definitely like edited the versions that we're telling people um I did I was completely open with my sisters so I would tell them like the day I found out it might be nine months till we even have a trial or the day I found out that my lawyer was like, no, you could likely go to jail. I told my sisters that I did not tell my parents. With my parents, it was like, we're making progress. We're okay. And on the other end, too, I realized now it was equally hard for them because they had to be strong for us. Mm -hmm. So when we called them, if they were, like, bawling, then we're we're stuck in this terrible place. So, so they true. would be so strong for us. And we've since heard that they were like complete messes. Really? And like they had to continue on with life and go to jobs and like be nice to people and 
all the meanwhile, all the meanwhile they're like, daughters. my child could like <laughs> just be stuck in jail yeah. for the rest of the time. And so I think they were really, really strong, but I, everyone was just kind of in a very weird way. Wow. For, and so how did it go from them kind of like interrogating you to then you going home? Like, cause I, from what I can remember you telling me before, there was a lot of stop starting, like, you'll go yeah. home, and then you won't. And... Yeah, that part was hard. Um, the promoters were trying to solve it, and uh, I guess kept getting close, and so every few days at the beginning, we would get like a, okay, we, we got it sorted out tomorrow, pack your bags, it's happening, right? Oh my gosh, it's happening! And so we'd get ready, and then it wouldn't happen, and... And then that would happen again in a few days or a week later. And and you realize hope being hopeful is a very beautiful thing, but there's some context in which hope is really dangerous. Like you always want to remain hopeful. Yeah. But having seeds of hope, real seeds of hope being planted all the time when they don't amount to anything, it was like this so destroying. Incredible crash. And so we got to a point where I had to be like, do not tell me if it looks like we're going home because I my body can't handle the letdown anymore and that happened like a few times it happened like 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 dozen or more times yeah it happened a lot yeah and then finally we got we had a trial date which was I I was like tried in a court case which is so ridiculous it's so weird to think about now um, but it, we, it was like three months in and we, the court case kind of came out of nowhere and we had to basically like plead guilty and hope that we would be sent home. And I was asked to give a personal apology on behalf of the band and like a personal plea. Oh my God. And I remember just like standing up. With like three judges like towering in thrones above me and just saying, you know, like, I'm so sorry that we never intended to disrespect your country and yeah. like that, do anything wrong. I'm so sorry. And we'd very, very much love to like go home, see our families. It was like a few days before Christmas. And it was like so tense and so crazy, but it's... I was I had one of those movie moments where they like hit the gavel and they're like basically you're going home and we all just burst into tears and it was like I can't even imagine the emotion like the intensity of every emotion the happiness the yeah. sadness the fear like everything must have just been so heightened your body must have like did you get ill or anything or like how did your body feel <laughs> like survive that, that? yeah it did so feel much? insane. Like, so we were there. We ended up being there for exactly 100 days. That's crazy, isn't it? It is. It does feel very, like, <laughs> meaningful somehow. Yeah. yeah. But, like, my whole body for, like, 100 days was, like, in a peak state, I feel like. Yeah. It was... Everything mattered 100% every day. Wow. And then the court case was, like, obviously <laughs> insane feeling. Yeah. But I do remember being able to, like, let any of that feeling go for the first time when we found out 
that we were going to go home was really an insane feeling. I can't, I literally can't even imagine. And then like calling, calling our yeah, parents. Yeah, how was that? That was, oh, it was such a wild experience. I called my sisters individually and my parents and it felt so surreal. We knew the whole time there might be a day where we went home, but it was like, but that's impossible. Yeah, like we've had so many false starts. Yeah. Why would it happen again? So, but yeah, I just remember calling and probably I'm just bawling the whole time. Like, I think we're going home and and they're just bursting into tears on the other end. And I think we were all afraid to actually believe it. So there's still what, it wasn't a full celebration. It was like, they said this, but I'm not sure. Um, When did the full celebration in your heart begin? Like when was the moment where you were like, oh shit, I'm actually. It's actually happening. It was, I think it was the moment that the wheels like left the ground. God. And we were sitting, all of us like in a row, holding hands like so out here. I knew it hit me at some point, but like so surreal. And we were ready at that moment for like immigration to walk on the plane, be like, we changed our minds. Um, And so it was like, we couldn't really talk or laugh or celebrate yet. So it was this like silent, tense holding of hands. And then like the plane starts to go and we're in the air. And then like, finally there was this moment of relief. And um, we had a stop in Dubai. So we still had one more leg to go home. We didn't tell each other this until we got home, but we were all like, not all of us. Some of us were like convinced that our second flight was going to just crash because we're like, there's no way this works out. There's no way we get to actually go home and like see our families again. Um, Man, but that was like a very teary flight. Yeah. And so when the wheels touched LAX and you like, because your family and friends were there waiting for you, right? Yeah. What was that like? So I knew that my parents were going to be there. I think that was it. Like, my sisters had work, and they live in San Francisco, and it was also last minute. Um, But I had been talking to my drummer, Darla, who's, like, my sister, and the two of us had cried so much in, like, the last three days, from, like, the the court to to like the whole flight and then all throughout it just like reflecting on time we're just crying 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 and then we land and we're exhausted because we've been flying for like a day yeah and I remember telling her like this is kind of weird but like I think I think I'm good like I think the crying's done (laughs) like I've gotten it out of my system and this might be weird when we see our families because like I think I'm just fine and then we like are walking up the ramp and then there was this huge, it was my whole family and so many of our friends and they had signs and we like looked at each other like, oh, there, there are some more tears. And we just started bawling. Oh and it God. was like, I just remember it feeling like electric inside of my body, like hugging my sisters and we're just like sobbing as hard as you like, oh my gosh, I get to see these people again. Yeah. It was so incredible. And just in, like just in time for Christmas like thank yeah you. I mean I imagine it would have been a very weird Christmas for you anyway but yeah thank Oof. god Christmas was you were with your family yeah three months three months so crazy 
I do. I always feel the need to say this too, though. I, I strangely don't have. I don't have hard feelings towards Indonesia, and I don't right. feel like it was Indonesia's fault. I think there were like a lot of messy things, and no one had ill intentions. It was like a lot of little, just things that didn't line up, yeah. and it unfortunately happened that way. But I don't like. You don't have any I, like anger, resentment towards anyone. Yeah, anyone. it's just more like, well, that was unfortunate. But actually, now I'm just so grateful for it. Yeah, like every day. Yeah. Now, like we've said about in the last couple of days, like when you have a big life event like that, you can't see life in the same way again. Like yeah. the really little boring things do not matter yeah. anymore. So it's the worst thing that ever happened, but like how cool that that's kind of your I don't know what the word is but everything else is just so much shinier yeah better, right? it really it just better. puts things into perspective yeah um and then it starts to wear off because we're humans and we're stupid but I like know in my heart of hearts that I like felt the truth of like what really matters yeah. and that's been so helpful and how was then getting back into normal life because you can't just oh, go from man being trapped in a place for a hundred days, not being able to see your friends and family to just living life again. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, you were I, just like everything. Yeah. I was like, we've been wishing for a thing for a hundred days. Surely when it happens, it's like, I will never be sad again yeah. and I will never. Yeah. Everything's going to be awesome. And then it was pretty immediate just upon even like getting to my parents' house and settling in, and you realize you can't perpetually hug and cry these people and celebrate. Like, at some point, that part ends. And, like, and a different topic of conversation comes yeah. up. Yeah. And then, like, that felt so weird. Yeah. And then you're like, I can't spend the rest of my life talking about and processing this experience, but also anything else than that feels... Pales in comparison. Yeah. And so it was really hard and all of us kind of went through a long, unexpected depression, just kind of trying to, you had to like re-figure out how to do life. You're, you experienced a similar thing, right? Yeah, just, I mean, it, it feels exactly the same in how you're describing it. Like, you, it feels too big to not talk about all the time because that's your whole, 100% of your brain is in that, yeah. thinking about it, your body feels it still. Um, but you're also aware that life goes on and people talk about different things yeah. and the world just moves around you, but you st- you have to come to terms with some huge thing that's just happened. Like, yeah. it's the weirdest thing. And even now, <clears throat> even now when I kind of see people and they don't ask about mum or they don't reference this massive thing that just happened, I'm like what like how are you not seeing this and feeling it but yeah it's just our stuff and it's, yeah the world just moves around us now and yeah it's just, we'll never be the same people as we were before yeah like Jakarta and Ramon and just like trying to figure out how to live a normal life again after that takes so long and things like work or career like basically anything outside of hugging the people I love and telling them how much I care about them felt like I was just like how do we live our lives with most of it spent on things that don't that don't matter yeah, and it talking was about things that don't yeah. matter and so it really shook me up and I was like I was unable to work for like 
almost half a year. I was going to say, how long did it take yeah. you to finally settle in? And like, when was the first morning where it kind of wasn't your first thought? Like, you know, where it didn't automatically yeah. go to, oh my God, I still feel that anxiousness. And... Yeah, I think it was like, weirdly, after one year, because the before... Kind of anniversary type thing? Yeah, so before that point... It was, it still felt like my present. And then after a year, it started being like, I don't, I don't know. It like entered a new chapter where it was a part of my past, but until then it was, it was still now. Right. Until I had reached an anniversary of it and suddenly I could like reference that time. Yeah. And so how did writing the 100 Days in Chicago EP did that help, or was that like a year later? Was that so really terrified to write? It was. So I wrote that blog post. I guess it was maybe. That was maybe. Not even half a year later. So wow. I and I had written two songs in Jakarta, that like helped me function. So I had songs, and I this thing that this huge fear I had when I got home, is I knew that this experience was very important and really had changed me and I was deathly afraid I would not figure out a way to like share that and then it would have been wasted yeah but I also felt like a shell of a human that didn't know how to like talk or do anything so that was a really huge moment Because prior to that, I was like, I might just not ever bring myself to be able to talk about it, and then it's wasted, and I cannot do that. Yeah. Um, It was was weird and hard, like, even learning how to talk about it. Yeah, and then, like, releasing that, did it feel like an actual release? Like, I can put that kind of behind me now? It did. I guess you still had months and months to figure out life. (laughs) Yeah, there was still a lot of struggle, but that did feel like the first step in moving forward was, like, acknowledging it and sharing it yeah and actually making something out of it yeah and I feel like we've talked about this so much recently but when something like that happens to you and maybe we're a specific breed but for me I it's so helpful for me to talk about and think about and I know that people are afraid to ask because it was like traumatic and scary and so they're like oh she's not talking about so we'll just go around it but you're kind of sitting there like please, please ask me about this because I can't, it's all I'm thinking about and I need to process it more. It's so so weird how, how similar it feels like a death and then something traumatic like that. I guess it just clumps into just trauma. Yeah. But it feels like, it feels like we've got another head on our shoulders and people just aren't, they're just ignoring it. Yeah. Like just talking to the one and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) How do you not see this? How are you not talking about it? Yeah. Man. And so how does that, does it still affect you to this day? Or would you say you're kind of like over it? Not over it. Yeah. I think a lot of the lessons stick with me. Like just the importance of gratitude in general is like so visceral now. And I know that should I ever go to a very bad place that I, I know the homework to do to get out of it. And I know I need to crack down on like gratitude and meditation and stuff like that. Um, But I am at a point now where it feels so far away and the moments where it kind of like grips me and I just burst into tears are like so, so much um, more infrequent. Um, but it was interesting. I 
I can talk about it all the time now, and I'm fine. But then on the anniversary this year, which was three years of coming home, I happened to like be opening my phone, and I looked at a calendar, and I saw the date, and I remembered, and I was in my head, I was like, "Wow, it's been three years." And then I went to tell Jesse out loud, and then I just like <laughs> just wow. like burst into tears, and it's like the rest of the year. My brain, in order to function, allows it to be a story, but on that one day, it is real again. Wow. Yeah, because I hear so much about anniversaries being a huge thing, and, you know, the first one's a really big deal, like, make sure that you have people around you, blah, 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 but in my head, I'm like, it's just a date, surely it can't be that bad, but that emotion just, like, erupted in you, Yeah. I thought, like, what the hell, yesterday was fine. Yeah. Wow. So strange. Okay, so, let's go... With another number. Okay. I'm... <laughs> how about I'm 27? Okay. What was the most traumatic part of your childhood? I love these ones. Just <laughs> Just go right into it. childhood, but they're so interesting. It is so interesting. So I was really, really fortunate. Like, my childhood, for the most part, was, like, storybook. Just, like wonderful parents and wonderful siblings and just like a wonderful magical childhood it looked like that just from like your youtube videos back in the day yeah it was just i'm so so grateful um the i think the the blip in it was um when i was a freshman in high school how old are you then just for my british so i think probably like 13 or 14 around there um my mom she like and my memories around this are very vague I think because I blocked a lot of them out because I was very you know freaked out by everything but she like wasn't feeling well and I remember her being in the hospital for a couple days like her stomach hurt and we didn't know what's happening and then and then so it turns out she had a very rare blood disease called polycythemia vera and and the th- I actually don't remember if this is correct. I don't remember there being a whole lot of debriefing within my family about right. it. I remember my dad sitting my sisters and I down and telling us um and I could tell that he was very emotional and the fact that he was scared Made me very scared. Um, And then I don't remember talking about it a lot, but I had the internet. And so I started Googling and learning how, like, this can turn into leukemia at any point and that it's, like, cancer. And I'm like, it's all... it, It was so scary. And so I did... I felt like I could lose my mom at any point. And then I also think I was too afraid to, like, talk about it. And so I remember my mom coming home and just, like, life resumed. And I think part... So it was, like, a two-part trauma here. One was, like, learning that my mom was sick and worrying that she might die. And then this, like, overwhelming guilt that, like, I... I wasn't, I was so afraid and so scared and I didn't tell her anything because I just like was afraid to bring it up and um, I think that just kind of like, like 
rotted in me for for a lot of years this fear and guilt and like knowing that my my mom must be so scared like she could die and no we weren't talking about her and I wasn't like throwing myself on her and being like oh my god I'm so scared yeah and it's like that was really it was hard I actually didn't really really start talking to people about it until I met Jesse when I was 16 Wow! and I remember just like starting to talk about it and then just like bursting into tears and I was like that anytime I talked about it until I was like in my early 20s because it was so unprocessed and I remember this this like guy in the music industry once someone was like this guy will listen to your demos and he'll like tell you if you're good or not and I had a meeting with him and he's like no you're 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 great, but I feel like you're you're afraid to actually say what you want to say, and I feel like there's something you need to write about wow. that you're afraid to write about. So go write the thing you're afraid to write. In that moment, where you were like your gut was just like crap. Like, yeah, I was like, what no, why are you making me yeah. do this? Yeah. Um, but then I wrote a song called "Make It Go." I remember that. I think I covered you it. did. And it was so beautiful. But it was so so sad. Yeah. I remember crying my eyes out hearing that for the first time. Oh, it was, and so I feel like that was the first time through a song that I said to my mom, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I've been scared, and I think about it, like, every day, yeah. and I'm sorry I didn't say anything sooner. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. I feel like that kind of opened it up, but... Did she ever, like, did she have, did she listen to that song and talk to you about it? I know that she, I, I wish I remembered. I should ask her. I sent it to her, and I do believe it was acknowledged, but right. I think at the time I was still kind of too afraid to even yeah. be like, okay, great, well, now let's talk about it. Yeah. It was like, okay, you know that? Yeah, then, you know whew. how I feel. Yeah. And what about your sisters then? What, what were their um, impressions of what was going on? Were they just as kind of scared and in the dark about what was kind of going on? I think so, and we've... We're talking about it more recently. We didn't talk either. Yeah, I was just saying. Yeah. Did you guys talk? We did not talk. Like, everyone went and started having their private experience of it and worrying in their own ways and, yeah. Man. Weird. So how is your mom now? Is she okay? She's so healthy now. She is still needing to take this... um, drug called interferon she gets injections but she's like her blood panels are like perfect now oh hallelujah yeah it's just amazing you realize how important it is to get emotions out of your body and i think so many of us spend life being like it will be better if i don't burden the world with it also maybe it's like scary to let it out so just like keep it in and keep it tidy but it it eats, it eats you like yeah. it makes you sick and so now i'm of the belief that like you should cry all the time yeah well now you've gone from yeah. like not talking to anyone about it to being like able to talk about it online and write songs about it and talk to your friends about it like that's that's a glow up if i've ever heard one it feels very good to be able to do so how did that like affect your view of death and like dying because you've got a massive fear of I mean we all have a fear of losing someone but 
Yeah. Did that just kind of push you over the edge? I imagine it didn't help matters. <laughs> yeah. You know? I remember as a kid, I I remember going to bed at night and just, like, crying, realizing that I was going to lose my parents someday. And it felt, like, impossible, and I didn't want it to happen. I remember asking my dad, like... Do you think there's any way someday before we're all dead that they'll have invented something that'll let us live forever? And my dad kind of being like, you know, <laughs> no, may- maybe not. Like, this is this is part of life. Yeah. And, and it just felt so unbearably sad to me. And so I went through my life with that fear of losing, especially my parents. And then when that, it also like feels fake though. It feels like the worst thing, but you're like, but it, it's not going to happen or it's going to happen when I'm so old. And then out of nowhere and you're like in high school and you're just like thinking about dumb, you know, (laughs) teenage things. And suddenly it's like that moment could be now was so alarming. And as well, I guess if you had that fear as a kid and then you kind of knew something was going on, but like it wasn't like actually specifically said what it was or nothing was kind of like black and white. It's just this gray area. I can imagine that fear just like growing there, like just festering, getting bigger and bigger, especially with no talking about it or not knowing like what could happen naturally your brain would go, Oh, she literally could die tomorrow because you've already got that fear. Totally. It just exacerbates it and gets worse and worse and worse. And I, I mean, this is, I guess kind of nothing to do with it, but how crazy that, my mom died on your birthday. Yeah. That was a crazy, it was a crazy thing. But it was interesting because, so we had talked the night before and yeah. had like this wonderful conversation. And we don't really like And we don't do phone. that. Yeah. It was the first time maybe we've done that. Yeah. And it was so nice. And the next morning I remember being like, oh, so nice to talk to Kate. It was so wonderful. I'm going to like check on how she is. And then you responding with like, happy birthday, but like, so my mom died yeah. on my birthday. And the day before, we had talked about birthdays and expectations and yes. how, how stupid they are. And you're like, I don't want to have any expectations, but I always like invent scenarios in my head that obviously don't happen. Yeah. And then I'm like let down. And in a way, that was like, it made, it relieved me of anything. It just put things in perspective so really? much where I was like, I guess, yes, I'm grateful that I'm alive for another birthday and also this day does not matter at all because things like this happen and it was just like the whole day was just like thinking about you and thinking about your mom and just being like why would I ever get caught up in in like silly silly stuff when this can happen at any time it was really like isn't life just fucking mental? Yeah. It just chucks you curveballs. It does. Who's crying about my mum? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. love you so much. Yeah. You want to pick another question? Maybe oh we should get gosh. away from death. <laughs> um, okay, how about 50? 50. I don't think anyone's picked that yet. Ah, are you good at saying you're sorry? I... I have, like, two relationships with sorry. Right. One is that I think I do it annoyingly too much in a weak way that I should work on. Same. You know, where I, like, nudge someone or, like, make a weird sound. Or, yeah. And I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And, like, sure, people are like, please stop you saying that. Yeah. 
So that's like a, a version of sorry I need to work on. I do feel like how I've always felt when it comes to conflict and yeah, I I just want to be very generous with my sorries. Like I I don't understand why you would want to hold it back. I will like give every version of a sorry I can think of. Like Say. I'm sorry sorry that you felt that way. I'm sorry that I said it that way. And I'm sorry that this whole situation's <laughs> weird. And, and it's like, like just any, anything I think they might need a sorry for, I want to give yeah, every sorry. I'm exactly the same. And I think, I think we're people pleasers. Yes. In, like the, in the <laughs> highest right. degree ever. Yeah. And I think I can... I get frustrated myself, and I know my friends and family get frustrated with me when I'm like, oh, sorry, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, what the hell are you yeah. saying sorry yeah. for? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing. But I'm like you. Like, if I'm in, I'm having, like, an argument or something, the first thing I want to do is check myself and be like, hang on a minute, did I fuck up here? And, like, in a way, I kind of want it to be my fault because it means Because you that, can solve it if it's exactly. your fault, yeah. Like, I can sort that out and I can know that that situation will never happen again. And I will gladly say sorry. And also, I just think... I think you're, like, mature if you can say sorry. Me and Josh are reading this book called The Rules of Life. And, like, one of them was kind of, like, say you're sorry even when you're kind of in the... Or not in the wrong type thing. Because it's yeah. just... It goes above, like, who said this and blah, blah, blah. It's just about, I don't want to be in this situation. This feels crap. I love you. Life is too short. There is just no point to be right. going at this again and again and again. Yeah. Just say sorry. Like, it's a kind thing to do. Yeah. It just show. it means, like, I care. Yeah. I care and I see your discomfort or pain or sadness. Yeah. But then I know a lot of people that when it feels so unjust and they feel like they've been wronged, right? it feels horrible to say sorry because you're like, fuck you. Right. I, like, and so I, I guess I kind I of... I kind of get that. But at the same time, I feel like you can, you shouldn't apologize for something that you definitely did not do wrong. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be like, fine, is this what you want? And like yeah. agree to a false story. But you can be like, I'm so sorry that you feel this way or I'm sorry if you misunderstood it exactly. because I never intended this. Yeah. Like you don't have to say sorry exactly what happened, but you kind of say sorry like yeah, like you felt that way, but yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I mean that's not how you should say sorry at all. Uh, it's one way. But I, anyway. yeah, it's I'm similar. Well, thank you so much thank for talking you. to me and for being so open and lovely and wonderful. You're a queen and I worship the granny you're welcome you too Kate man I can't believe that I am friends with Keena Granis I still can't believe it guys thank you so much to Keena for being so vulnerable and open and letting us all into that side of her life um I'm so grateful for the openness and I thrive off those conversations so to be able to have one like that with her was an absolute treat Guys, if you like this podcast, then feel free to follow and subscribe or give us a rating or review because it really, really helps. We're all over social media if you want to come and join in the conversation. I would love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. So grateful to you all for listening and I hope you have an awesome couple of weeks and I will see you again soon. Bye.